0: managers and leaders or those that want to be, aspire to be managers and leaders, this message is for you. The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love, but our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast. It is an early Friday morning where I'm at and I'm hoping all 'all y'all are waking up today thinking that's another day to focus on my drive, my passions, my goals. And you didn't wake up today thinking, Oh, it's Friday. I get to take a break from the weekend. Oh man. I I remember those days. I remember when I would just hope for the weekend because I had nothing to be passionate about and I just wanted a break and just to check out. Oh, please. If you like, I'm going to, this, I totally got off on tangent here. I was not talking, plan on talking about this, but find something you're passionate about so you can live for it and have that, like that joy going into the weekend instead of the, the joy getting out of the work. Okay. Now managers and leaders, that's what I want to talk to you today. This is, I, all the time I work with managers and leaders, I work with them all the time. This is the number one struggle, not complaint. I I would, I about say complaint, but struggle that they, they face every day. I, if you're a manager leader, I guarantee you've said this or thought about, about this. How do I motivate my people? How do I get them their best production? How do I help them advance and get to the next level in their lives? If, now, if you're a manager leader, I guarantee you thought that, right? You thought, man, they're, they're, especially if you see some of a ton of potential, you're like, this person has so much potential, but they just can't get their freaking butt out of bed at the right time to hit that potential, right? Like, how many of you have been frustrated with that? I, I have been so, like, I've had many cases in my life where it's like, how do I motivate these people? There's The opportunities are endless. They just need to take a couple quick steps or do a couple easy things and wow they're they're just going to be happy they're going to get out of their misery they're just going to stop wallowing in that mud and get on to bigger and better things if you thought that let me know like just uh cuz it's a struggle right so how do we get past that there I, cuz I per, I I still run into it but I run into it less a lot less actually almost never but it's cuz my perspective changed so there's two things I want to talk about perspective and then how do we actually not motivate our people? Okay. It's it's not so much in the motivation, it's in how not to motivate them. Okay. Or what to focus on. Now, the perspective piece, let's think about this. Anytime we, we are in a role or a, a job or, or whatever, we have a hard time seeing outside that role. All right. If you're a new employee and you want to be a manager, you think, man, I could do so much better. Like I hear this all the time from under employees. This is, like this is, a, I hear, see the cycle all the time. And I know you do too, man, my manager, he's great and all, but she's great and all, but they could do this so much better. Oh, that was a dumb decision. If they would have done this, it would made all our jobs way easier, man. I wish I was a manager and then you become the manager. And Then what happens? Oh, their job was harder than I thought it was, <laughs> man. That these people, why can't they just see You're right. Like that happens. But then you think of that or your boss and, and, uh, that, that cycle repeats. And I'm sure you've seen that. I'm sure you're laughing right now. Cause you've done it. I'm sure you've done it. I've done it. I'm sure you've had people do it to you. And, uh, that's a cycle. And if you're a parent, especially, you know that you're right. Like when you're a teenager, I'm going to be, or before you're married, I'm going to be the best parent or best spouse. So I'm not going to make these mistakes. And then all of a sudden you get married and you start having kids. You're like, oh, I'm doing the same thing my parents did. Are you kidding me? This job is harder than I thought it was. So the, fir- the first thing you have to have to have is a little bit of perspective, okay? If you have that perspective, you can see from a different viewpoint. And if you can see why the uh, how the other person is motivated or what their desires are really, not so much how they're motivated, like what they want in the moment, you're going to be a lot more efficient in helping get that person to where they want to get, not to where you want to get them, to where they want to get. That's, that's one of the keys here is so many times we think we know where we want people or we want them to go, right? Like for my kid, you know, like there's things I want him to do, but he might not want to do those things. You know, big things are small things. <laughs> I want him to go to church but he doesn't want to put his clothes on. It's not that he doesn't want to go to church. He just is comfy in his pajamas. He doesn't want to go to church. He doesn't want to change, you know? When I see that perspective, it's like, oh, he does like church. He just, and if I make it about the church, then he's going to hate church, right? If I just make it about, hey, let's get into these clothes so they can, they're more comfy and go, to, and go to church and enjoy church, then it's not so bad. That's that's a tangent, but I, I and that's just a small example, but I think you get you get the point is The people we manage, the people we want to manage have certain desires and we can't impose ours on them because that's not motivating to them. We got to figure out what they want and show how what we have will help them get what they want. Then all of a sudden, that's a way stronger motivator. But how many of us actually have that conversation actually like dig in and not just say, Hey, what do you want? And they say, well, I want to, you know, I want an easier job or I want a pay raise or I want, I want just this to be more efficient. Right. But how much of us actually ask like, dude, what do you really freaking want from this job? You know, like, why do you actually show up every flipping day? Well, that's because I have this family and we've been wanting this kind of lifestyle. And so this is why I want to build. Oh, Well, what can I do to help you build that or get that or be there? And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this person really cares about me. They care about what I really want. Now I'm gonna care about what they want, right? That's just a little tip. That's actually not, I was not planning on talking about that today, but that's just, if if we have that perspective and and can take that in in a conversation with an individual, especially if you're managing or leading them, they're gonna feel that love and that's gonna reciprocate back to you. But I wanted to talk, but that the topic I have is a lot more, it's a lot deeper than that. Okay. And a little bit more complex actually. So think about all the, now again, the question is, is how do we motivate or get more production out of people? Especially when we're frustrated and we can't get it out of them. Okay. First perspective. Second, you can drink, bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You have to remember that. Like that is so freaking true. You cannot force someone. Everybody has this thing called free will and you can't force someone. But here's the, the other side of the equation is, but I got to get more production out of them. I want them to succeed, right? But I can't force them to succeed. So what do I do? What do I How do I figure this out? Well, guess what? There are hundreds of individuals that have already figured it out. It's just us that haven't figured it out yet, right? Because we're, we're, we're human and we're learning and, and we're young and immature sometimes. Now think about perspective. Think about when you were on that, that climb, right? You want to be a manager. You want to be a leader. Like, did did your boss ever come to you or your supervisor come to you and be like, John, I think you have a problem with motivation. <laughs> you're not working as hard as you should. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Because they were like, wow, this guy's motivated. He's ambitious. And I want to help mentor him. And so you get there. And hopefully you had a boss like that. Hopefully you had a boss. I'm sure you've had bosses that try to set you down too. But hopefully you had someone that was more of a mentor and a coach than a boss. And they actually tried to help you get where you're going. They didn't have that talk about, you not being motivated because you were internally motivated. Why were you internally motivated? Because for some reason you wanted something and the person that you decided to work for had that, they had that lifestyle, had that car, had that management experience, had that productivity. And you were like, I want that. And if I follow and work with this person, this these people, this company, I'll get better at it. And so that's what attracted you to that. Now, again, some of you might've might just gotten a job because it's a job you fell into and you're trying to trying to pay the bills and whatever. But if you're prob- if you're listening to this, it's because you chose the job you wanted. And so you were internally motivated to get there. So what the heck does that mean when you're trying to find people to motivate them? You can't, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You cannot force your people for production or more. Like you can in the short term, you can do that. You can like pressure them. You can threaten them. You can bring out the big stick, but that is going to build resentment more than anything. So don't do that. Okay. So don't do that. And don't, and, but also I, I would say this, now this, this changed my management drastically and I was way more efficient in my organization and my ability to coach others helped a ton when I made this decision. I made the decision not to motivate I made the de- decision to find the motivated people and help them reach their dreams. Totally different. Instead of trying to motivate people, I tried to find motivated people and help them reach their dreams. Now I'm going to bring a quick example in to help, like, help you see this in another perspective. Think about any religious organization, its beginnings. Okay, where that was that religious leader out there trying to motivate people? Heck no right? They were usually very contrarian t- trying to tell people, dude, the way you're doing things is bad. You're a wicked person. You got to repent. Like what kind of message is that? <laughs> right? Like can you imagine your, are like your boss trying to hire people, dude, the job you're at life, you're at sucks. You got to shape it up. You're a horrible person. You got to be a better. I'm not working for that person. That's what you think. Right? But like, if you look at these religious organizations, like, Buddhism, you know, if you look at early Buddha, he was contrary to the normal thing. And people kind of said, like, look down and they're like, dude, like, that's not cool. You can't do that. Right. You can't find nirvana like that. Like you're stuck in this case system and that's what you're stuck in. But he went out and said, Hey, anybody can find this and this nirvana, but you have to do certain things that are really, 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 really hard. And all of a sudden people were like, I really like what he has. I want that. I want that lifestyle. I want that vision. I want those principles in my life. I want to feel like that. He makes me feel good. I'm going to follow that person. And that's what happens. So most of you are familiar with Christianity because we're in this English-speaking Western world. Think about Jesus Christ, right? He didn't try to appeal to the masses. The masses appealed to him because he had a unique message, right? But he, he, for I mean, they literally crucified him. So he didn't build the masses. I know we like to think that there's this like this, 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 he had a following of hundreds of people that loved him. He also had a fall, a, a, a anti-camp of thousands of people that wanted to kill him. Right? So as, as big as his following was, the people that were against him were just as big, if not bigger. Right? We, we forget that because everybody, like everybody's Christian nowadays. Back then he had more, he probably had more enemies. I don't know the stats. I wasn't living back then. He probably had more enemies than he had friends. But what were his friends Like, He picked people that were motivated and and helped them reach their dreams, right? He helped his core disciples get a belief system that was rock solid and helped them become better people that they were already internally motivated. They already wanted to follow him. He just helped propel that and then watched the movement just blossom, right? So, so many of us are focused on the wrong thing perspective. We're on the wrong perspective. How do I motivate people? You can't, you cannot do it. You can't force people, but you can find motivated individuals and help them reach their dreams. And this is the cool thing. This is what happens because that's, this is what happened to you. This is the exact same thing that happened to you probably is you are eternally motivated. You wanted something and someone helped you get it. So how do you do that? Make sure your life is in order. Make sure you are living an amazing life. And what will happen is, is you put yourself out there. You can't just, you can't just live in a, like a hole. You got to actually put yourself out there. As you start recruiting or hiring or talking to people, people will begin to think this guy, this girl, she's got something special. She's got what I want. She's got a vision in her life. She's got purpose. She's healthy. She's happy. I want to be around that people. The law of attraction. Like you want to be around people that are better than you. You want to be around people that inspire you. So just be an inspiring person. Be a good person. And what will happen is you will start to gather a following. and You'll start to gather people that want that are like you. Not like you and that they have the same likes and dislikes. But people that are motivated and want to learn and grow together. And yeah, you might have totally different perspectives of philosophies on life. But that, that core... Like similarity is that you want to grow and learn together and that will attract them. And then guess what? They'll be an attractive and I don't mean attractive, like physically attractive, but attractive. Like they have their, their life together. They have something, they have tools and skills and assets and talents that other people want. And that'll gather a movement. If you look at any company, now let's like I, I use, use religious movements. Look at companies to do that. Look at some of the most successful companies in the world. Look at Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg, as quirky and as weird as I think we depict him as, he had a core vision and a competency. And he was able to gather people that also wanted that. And he was very, very restrictive on who he let into that inner circle. But once he had those lieutenants or those like followers, you could even say disciples. They were able to also preach that message, okay? Airbnb is a perfect example of this. They took a year to hire their first employee. A year. One of the most successful, fastest-growing companies in the world took a year to hire their first employee because they wanted someone that wanted to be and have the vision they had. So many times we like get in this, I just got to hire someone, right? Right? we don't hire someone for our, their values and their, their ambition and their, their goals in life. We hire them because we want them to fill a role. Right. And if you change the perspective, I want to find, instead of motivating people, I want to find motivated people so they can learn and grow. That's going to help your organization grow and your people grow way faster. If you just focus on motivating the wrong people. Okay. So it's not about motivation. It's about finding motivated people and helping them live the life they want to live. That's the podcast for today. If, if, if you've ever had anybody had that question, how do I motivate people? How do I get more productivity out of them? Share this podcast. Let me know what you think. If there's something that worked for you, let me know. Okay. Send me a message and say, hey, this worked for me. This worked for me. Okay. Because that conversation is how we grow. All right. So share this. Love to know your thoughts. Have a good weekend. We're going to talk to you later. Turn the other cheek. Agree with thine adversary. Those are words you'd hear in a Sunday sermon, but do they apply to life? How do they apply to business? Good morning. Welcome to the Finding Freedom podcast. It is an early Tuesday morning and it snowed here and it's beautiful and I'm energized. I know some people hate the snow, but it is literally my favorite time of year. That first snowfall is my favorite. If actually today, if you, if you catch me on social media, I will probably do a video of me running around barefoot in the snow. It's, it's, a, it's a tradition I've had ever since I was, I don't know how long I can remember and just that first snowfall, just running around bare feet. And that's how excited I am about snow. Like, <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. Anyway, for Jedi mind tricks today, I love this. It's so fun. They're like these little psycho- psychological or like tactical tricks we can use to help be more effective and productive in life. The first memory of this, well, the, really the first big impactful time I figured out this Jedi Mind trick was my first job out of college. I had just graduated, and my, li- my wife and I flew out to live in New York City, living in one of the most expensive cities in the world on $42,000. And I, we lived in Brooklyn, New York, and I would take an hour and a half subway ride to Manhattan, Midtown. And my job was to write this textbook online of ancient Korean history. And I remember for me, again, new, I'm sure you had this experience, new kid out of college, all these ideas fired up and wanted it, wanted to just change the world. Right. But my boss was this, was this older Korean lady and she had this passion for ancient Korean history. And she wanted to help spread that joy and passion to the educators of America. And my my take on that was, well, I, I understand there's these obscure ancient Korean histories that are important, that have great lessons to learn, that are that we need to remember. But no one in America flipping cares. <laughs> like all they care about is like maybe the Korean War. So if we did if we wanted to get more if we wanted to really make an impact on the like the people like educators in America, especially K through 12, and that's what we are trying to make an impact on, then why don't we do something that they're actually going to teach? They're not going to talk about Korean history in the 1500s. No matter how cool the stories are, we can pull from them, right? Turns out I was right. And like the only traction we got from our website was like college students in program, in East Asian study programs that were looking for hyper-specific information for the Joseon dynasty. Anyway, uh, we would clash on lots of things. Uh, again, pr- probably because there's a generational difference, but because my, my focus was, well, how do we get traction? How do we spread the message? How do we actually just get results from people viewing this? What's gonna help? What's gonna get results, right? What's gonna get views? What's going ha- what, what are people actually gonna use in the classroom? And her her literal passion was, this is a time period I'm passionate about. And for that reason alone, we need to publish it. And it drove me nuts. <laughs> and we would just have these different, for the first six months, she would she would say, well, we need to work on this timeline. The timeline is the most important thing. And so when I got there, I was like, okay, timeline is the most important thing. I, I She's my boss, whatever. I, I think these other things are more important, but she says it's the most important thing. So I'll just get it done. And I was grumpy about it. And so I go to work on the timeline and there had been two to three other researchers before me there, there have been three others for two years so they'd gone through three researchers in two years and I go okay well I wonder what they've been doing for three years or two years three people in two years and there were some like they had had like master's degrees and this stuff you know so I pull up like their portfolio and I go to the timeline they've been working on for two years and this is another uh, reality check for me in the in the in the nonprofit world and I go in there and and I, there's a timeline and it's got probably like 50, 60 events in it over a, you know, 300 year timeline, 400 year timeline, maybe longer. I don't remember specifically. And I started reading them. I was like, okay, this is good. And I was like, this sounds really familiar. And I go, we had a little library there, a little Korean history library there. So I go and pull a couple books and literally they took the timeline from that book and copied it word for word. And so I was <laughs> like, what are you like, are you kidding me? Like, and this was one of the reasons that motivated me to go to sales is because like I got paid less because I had a bachelor's degree and those kids had a master's degree. I got paid less than they did. And literally all that happened for two years is they would help these, these researchers quote unquote would help with some events we had at the nonprofit. We they hosted like different lectures and talks and, and, and workshops. So they, they would that was, that was part of their job, right? But that would only take like two hours a day. And then you have one evening a week that was, was three or four hours long of prep, you know? So you have like a 20 hour a week job part-time doing these events. And then the other 40 hours a week or the other 20 hours a week, whatever it was, you're supposed to fill it with research. And literally three people, <laughs> all they did, the, the full sum total of their work was right now is timeline. And I was, I was like, man, and I, I, I guarantee you, it was because the same dang thing. They thought, this is the dumbest thing I'm working on. No one's going to do anything about this. And so they weren't motivated to work on it because the boss was right. And she had this idea that she was passionate about and she had no reason she was passionate about it. Although other than that's what she liked. And that was the only reason she would give it. And so that's just another lesson on productivity but at the same time, I wanted to get something done. I wanted to be effective, right? Because that's just like, that's me. I have to, I can't just like sit back and be lazy and not do anything and, and, and take a paycheck. And that, again, that's why I got out of that nonprofit world is because that's how a lot of people are. They just, get, or any, in a, in a normal workforce salary world, they're just there to collect a paycheck and do the very minimal amount of work to not get fired, which is piss poor and not do anything. But I have this problem with every, every submission I gave to the my boss, she just should shut down. It's like, yo, you know what do I need to do? So one day I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna agree with everything she says, everything, even though it rankles me. I'm gonna agree with everything she says. And so she would say something like, "We need to do this," and instead of like I just it, like, I, to this day I feel like I want to throw up, but I would just hold those urges to fight back down, and I'd be like that's great boss. You know, we, we call her something else. I'm not going to name her name here. Uh, and she'd say, she'd kind of pause. Cause she was like, wait for me to fight for it. I'm like, no, I, that, I think that's actually a pretty good idea. I'll, I'll do it. And then I would just go do it. And the fun, a funny thing happened. This is a very funny thing happened. I did that for two or three months. And then all of a sudden she like, well, actually, okay. I, I, I want to, I was about to make myself look really good, but I'm just going to, I'm going to tell the raw truth. <laughs> I just went behind her back and totally redid the website. <laughs> I, oh man, she, she wanted to do certain things. And for two or three months, I bit my tongue and just did those two or three things. And then after a while, she just stopped asking to supervise stuff and just let me run at the project. And I just ran with it. And I did all the, the, the I interviewed professors. I do videos. I would write essays. I would write, you know, these lesson plans. And after five months, well, after see, six months then two months of bite my tongue, and after literally like three months of work, we had the website done. We had the website done. And, uh, there was, that was supposed to have done years ago with all these other people that had master's degrees that had not done anything. And I was kind of worried, I was like, crap, I did all this stuff without getting approval for for her from her. I wonder if she's just gonna shut it down." And she didn't. She loved all of it. <laughs> and I was like, "What? this is so weird? Like when I, I said the exact same things, I told these exact same articles, exact same stories to you, and you shut them down. And then I agree with you for a couple months and do the thing I was gonna do anyway, the articles, the stories the research, the interviews, and you like them. What the heck is wrong with you? And I, I didn't understand this Jedi mind trick, but it worked without me knowing it. So here's the Jedi mind trick. And if you're in sales, you know this. If you watch Grant Cardone, he is an expert at this. He does this so naturally, it is sick. <laughs> you agree with your adversary. You agree You agree. everything they say. You just nod your head and agree. Yes, yep. And if you don't agree, just like, then you just reiterate what they said to make sure they feel understood. There's this, this is the Jedi mind trick. If your counterpart feels understood, that satisfies a need enough that they will also agree with you, okay? So if you're in sales or business, this has amazing capabilities. If you're just looking for some relationship help in whatever you do, just agree with, empathize, and empathize with the person. And then nine times out of 10, you can go a totally different direction and they'll actually agree with you the same way. Like most people just want to be understood. That's all they care about. They don't, honestly, they don't really care about getting their way most of the time. They just care about being loved and understood. And once that once that need is satisfied, they're like, oh, I'll, go. I'll do it that way. Yeah, I'll do it your way. You're like, uh, uh you will? It sounded really uh, stubborn about not doing my way, but... You, you will do it my way. They're like, yeah, I'll do it your way. And that's what happened in, in my, in that early internship, that early like research position. And it was crazy. And now I do it all the time. Now, sometimes I make a mistake, especially with my wife. I could do way better at this, right? In, in my personal relationship with my wife, I could agree with her and then move on. Um, but try it out. When, when you have this dying urge, to want to counter, counter argue someone and I do it all the time. I'm not perfect at it. You, you know, just hold it in, hold it in and just agree with the person. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And then listen. And then once it's all out, once it's all out of their, off their chest, be like, cool, let's go ahead and move forward then. And those be like, okay, <laughs> you know, move forward with my proposal. They're like, yeah, that's okay. It, it's weird how it works, you know, and if, if someone's being really stubborn, after a couple of times, you try that and just listen to what they say and then rephrase what they say in, in different words and just say, is that what you were saying? Or did I get something wrong? And if you got something wrong and they didn't feel understood, they'll, they'll help like it's, it's someone's inner desire to want to feel understood. They'll do it because they have this, it's a, an urge, it's an itch you have to scratch to be felt and understood. And they'll help you feel understood and then just say, well, how do you propose we do my idea then? How do you propose we do this? Like literally, use those words. How do we, how do you propose that we do this? Because what that says is I understand and recognize the realities you're looking at, but I have these realities to look at. How would you solve that problem, my problem? And because you reciprocated and you understood their problem, nine times out of ten, not all the time, but nine times out of ten, they they will just their mind will make this switch from solving their own problem to your problem, and they will solve your problem for you. And if you're in sales and your problem is trying to get them to buy. They will solve that problem for you. They will sell themselves. Like, you know, for example, if the objection's like, I don't want your product, your buy your product because I, I don't have enough money right now. Like, oh, so what you're telling me is you just can't afford it. And they're like, yeah, I can't afford it. Like, well, how do you propose you get the product then? And they'll like, literally, you'll see their mind start turning and they'll be like, well, is there financing available? Like, yeah, there is financing available. Would you want to look to see if you qualify for that? And they'd be like, yes, I would. This is the coolest thing. So try it out. Agree, empathize, and then help them. Let help let them solve their problem. So let them solve your problem for you. Okay, try it out. Jedi mind trick. Fire away.